1: You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 178. Today, we're talking about amazing middle grade books and giving some recommendations for those. Before we get started today, we just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us so much. It only takes a second to rate and that's a big help alone and if you have extra time to review that's a big help too we love sharing those reviews on the podcast and we listen to what you say and really love hearing your thoughts so if you could do that that's a big help before we get into our middle grade discussion today we're going to talk about our current reads and our bookish check-in Sarah what are you reading
0: I am reading Priyanka Chopra Jonas's Unfinished. It's her memoir that just came out and it is about her life in India. It starts in the very beginning of her life and it go, and it goes through present day and honestly I wanted to read it because I was interested in her story with Nick Jonas because I really I like him a lot. And I like her. I think she does a lot of really awesome things. Uh, But I really wanted to read about their relationship and see what, you know, see how they met and all of that. And but what I was really pleasantly surprised about is that it starts from when she was younger and you learn so much about her parents and how much they supported her and she had just this lovely relationship with both of them and they just really pushed her to do to be in who she wanted to be and to do what she wanted to do and I I just really enjoyed learning about all that and having watched mismatched and read when Dimple met Rishi and having some you know scaffolding on Indian culture that made it even more interesting to read a nonfiction book and learn more even more about it. So I really, really am enjoying it. I'm almost finished. I I think it's really good. I just I love celebrity memoirs and I just think Anytime I can learn something new, it is a bonus. And I really, what I've learned is I really like her. I, I now want to go watch Quantico and and her performance in it. And I also didn't realize she was such a prolific actress. I mean, she has a huge catalog of movies in India where she she worked a lot. And so I was just, it was just really interesting. So it, it was a good read. So that is Priyanka
1: Chopra Jonas's Unfinished. Gosh, that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, it, does.
0: it was. And and it's not too long. It was just, it was good. And I actually, I have the hard copy, but I also did listen to it. For, I got it from my library and I liked, she of course reads it. And I, I really liked listening to it.
1: That, yeah, that sounds really neat. And I know we've all talked about how fun it is to listen to that kind of book on audio. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Jen, what about you? What are you reading?
2: So I am reading Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet, and I'm a fan of O'Farrell's work. I've not read all of her backlist, but we read I Am, I Am, I Am on the podcast. That's her memoir. And I loved her novel, This Must Be The Place. So when I saw she had a book that had any relation at all to Hamlet, which is my absolute favorite Shakespeare play. I taught it for many, many years, and I love it so much. I was very excited. And I immediately put it on hold at my library and it just came in. So I had this mini celebration and it is great so far. I'm not very far into it, but it takes place during Shakespeare's time. As the title suggests, Shakespeare is not necessarily the main character, but it does shift between perspectives. And this must be the place did that as well. I think that's something that O'Farrell does very well. So far, it has It started with Hamnet. Hamnet was actually a twin. And when the book starts, he is, I think he's nine and his twin has fallen ill. And for some reason, there are no adults at their house, except his grandfather, who has gotten drunk and is unable to help Hamnet. He's also abusive. So he's trying to get a hold of Hamnet to beat him because Hamnet did something that made him angry. But Hamnet is desperate because he knows that his sister is really sick. He can't figure out where anyone is. He goes and tries to get the doctor. The doctor's not at his house. So he goes back and he realizes that his sister has these huge growths on her neck and on her arm. So I'm pretty sure she has the plague. Uh, We will see. But I think that's where it's going. And he's just all alone and is so... Anyway, it is... Yeah, my mother's heart was super sad And then it switched to, I think it's like 15 years before when Shakespeare is acting as a tutor in the village to pay off a debt of his father. So this is the grandfather who is abusing Hamnet at the beginning. And he has become intrigued by this woman who he sees out the window of the schoolhouse carrying a falcon. And he becomes very intrigued by her and finds out that there are all these stories about her in the village that she might be a witch. And he thinks that's kind of cool. <laughs> and so he wants to get to know her better. And yes. And then it Susanna is Hamnet and his twin, Judith's older sister. And it just had her perspective. So I don't know how many perspectives it's going to go through so far. They've all been compelling. These are all really rich characters. You see the burden that it's putting on Hamnet and his siblings for their dad to be gone so much of the year that they live with their father's parents, with their grandparents because he's gone so much. And so I think it's just so far a really rich portrait of a family. And again, of course I can't wait to see, I'm sure Hamlet is going to come into it at some point. I'm very ready. (laughs) So I'm anxious to see, yeah, how that's worked in. But as with O'Farrell's other work, the writing is gorgeous. The characters are compelling and yeah. So I'm just kind of along for the ride. We'll see what happens.
1: Wow, I loved I Am, I Am, I Am by her, but I haven't read any of her other work, but that sounds really interesting. Yeah,
2: I loved, I actually think both of you would like This Must Be the Place. I know Sarah was not as big a fan of the memoir, but This Must Be the Place is great, and it has this whole subplot about a movie star who decides she doesn't want to be a movie star anymore, and so she goes into hiding that Sarah, I think you in particular, would very much enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, what are you reading?
1: Listeners, I'm just going to let you know that we're having some audio issues and we're going to work those out, but (laughs) I'm watching Sarah and Jen crack up because I can't quite hear them. So I got the visual cue that I'm supposed to talk now and then we're going to try to fix our audio. Anyway, it's fine. So I wanted to share about Talia Hibbert's Actor A.G. Brown. I have shared my love for Talia Hibbert's work. I read Chloe Brown's book and also Danny Brown and was so excited for this one. And Libro FM had the audio of this. So I was very excited to see that it was available on there and the others I had read and not listened to. So I was also excited to try the listening experience. And so far, I absolutely love the narration. And so that's been really fun to see it in that form instead. And so this is about... Eve Brown. And in the opening part, she, so just a little bit of context about the sisters, their family is very, very wealthy and they all have a trust fund and they're given essentially allowances from the trust fund to supplement what they do. But their family, their parents are are alive and involved and they still are monitoring them and they want them to work and to have their own source of income as well. Eve unlike her sisters has not found any continuous work of her own and so she is much more reliant on the allowance that she gets from the trust fund. So she has had she's tried a lot of different careers but in the opening part she set up this wedding business and she had established a website and she had gotten everything lined up to do that and then she had a pretty spectacular, failure with a friend who'd gotten married, and that's at the opening part, and immediately she pulls down her website and gives up on her business, and her mom discovers this because her mom shares the website address with a friend so that they can share it for somebody who's getting married and the friend lets her mom know that the site she's getting an error message and the site's not found and that's how her parents discover that she's bailed on yet another business. And she's had quite a few, Chloe is a website designer. And so in Get A Life Chloe Brown, some of that is all about her website design. So Eve has been taking advantage of her sister's skill and has tried a lot of different ones. So she has a bit of a, her parents have a bit of a moment with her right at the beginning. And they basically say, once this stuff is coming out, that she is no longer going to have any access to the trust fund until she has proven that she can be successful on her own and have her own source of income. And they are she was currently living in their house. They're giving her 3 months to move out and to start finding her own way. And so they really have felt like they had to give her this nudge. So as the title suggests, they're trying to get her to act her age and to they're encouraging her to take the step to figure out what she wants to do. And with a bit of serendipity right after that she sees a posting for a chef at a cafe in this town and is intrigued by the quaint location it's a bed and breakfast and so she's just really intrigued by this the area and enters to see about applying for this chef position and she does have training even though she hasn't really practiced a lot. she She's a great, you know, she has a lot of natural talent and she's got some training. So she is thinking about applying for that. And then meanwhile, we see a little bit of the perspective of Jacob, who is the guy who's doing the hiring and who runs the space. And he is rather curmudgeonly and has a friend who is helping him with these interviews. And he's just very no-nonsense. And has a very clear attitude about what he does and does not want and so he has eliminated every possible candidate very quickly because as soon as he sees them he knows whether they meet the criteria on his list and if they do not he's not interested in pursuing it so there you're getting a glimpse into this side of the struggle when she knocks on the door and suddenly appears so That is the, that's where I am. I've only read a little bit so, or listened to a little bit so far, and I am loving it. We've talked before about comfort reading and learning the authors that you really like and that you know you're going to like every time. And that's how Talia Hibbert is for me. So I was excited before I started this, and I am absolutely loving it and, you know, thought I would. And I'm learning, that's something that's still pretty new for me is learning authors that I can revisit at any time and really enjoy. And she's definitely that way for me. So again, that's Talia Hibbert's Act Your Age, Eve Brown.
2: I just recently finished that one. And yeah, absolutely loved it. Talia Hibbert is just amazing. I don't know how she has such a magical touch, but her sense of character is just brilliant. I haven't read any
0: of those yet. So I'll be excited to read them.
2: Oh, Sarah, you're going to love them.
1: You have such a treat in front of you. So today we were interested in sharing some middle grade picks with you. We all read middle grade some. We'll talk a little bit about how much, you know, how often we read it. But we wanted to highlight those because we just feel like this is such a powerful section of reading. And we, all, all three of us talk about YA lit a lot and read a lot of YA lit, but we wanted to focus on middle grade specifically because we all feel like there's such great books out there in the middle grade range and that it is an area that adults can read and really enjoy, but it is one that I find is underrepresented a lot of times on Bookstagram and in discussions that often YA gets more notice, I think, than a lot of middle grade seems to. And so we just wanted to take some time to talk about some picks that we've enjoyed and We'll also be sharing with you a longer list in an upcoming bookish fave of some other favorites we've had in the middle grade area.
2: I definitely still feel like I'm a novice when it comes to middle grade reading. I think Sarah came in with much more experience just because of the age group she taught. But I was teaching juniors and seniors, and they're typically not open to reading for this age group. But I know it's something I've been trying to learn more about because my kids are at the age where this is the type of reading They are wanting to do. And I have just realized how little I know about what's out there. So I've made an effort over the past couple of years to read more and to find lists of good recommendations. My kids are kind of picky sometimes. It depends on the day. So sometimes that's a barrier as well. But I think it's also just my own knowledge. Ashley, I'm glad you mentioned not seeing things on Bookstagram. And it's funny. Every Saturday, I share what I'm reading currently, and I have gotten some of the strongest reactions when I post middle grade because I feel like other parents are out there searching for books for their kids too. So I remember I had a post about the Magisterium series by Holly Black and Cassandra Clare, and a mom emailed and said, thank you so much, because or messaged me and said, thank you so much because she and her kids had devoured that series that they had never heard of before. So I think it's one that just... Yeah, I, I feel like it can be it can be tough to find the right reads for your kids in this range.
1: Yeah, I've started to experience that and I've shared that some of the podcasts, that now that my children want to read chapter books, it's really tough because I think that as the kids get older, at least for myself, I am very not concerned about what they read in a lot of ways once they are teenagers. Whereas at the younger range, I still am concerned about what content is addressed and just whether they're ready for the things that are going to be mm-hmm. discussed in the book. And so I think it is hard and whether they'll relate to them. I mean, my children are, are young, they're four and six. So a lot of chapter books are not geared toward their age group and they get Confused by some of the stuff that's happening, even though they are enjoying the story. And so I think it is mm-hmm. hard at these younger ages to find things that work for your child as far as preferences and interest level. And then also that it is appropriate in the sense of accessible to them at, at their age. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it's hard to find those good picks.
0: And I think within middle grade, I mean, I th- I've said this before about YA that the things that are available now in middle grade literature compared to even 10 or 15 years ago, it's just so vast. And I do think, though, with that comes more responsibility for the adults in our kids' lives to re-read the books before we give them to our children because sometimes like if a kid is highly sensitive some books might be just too much for them at at certain times whereas like when i was in middle school there wasn't a whole lot right of diversity or like different stories being told and i mean i think that that a lot of the books that i read in middle school were like about horses or girls having sleepovers. And I mean, which was great. And I'm like the babysitters club. I loved it. But I mean, now there's a lot of really can be very heavy content, which I think is important to expose kids to. But also, you have to know the kids that you're recommending books for, just like with YA so that you are getting the right books in the right hands, I think.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like knowing the child and knowing the group and what works for them is important.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I I may have shared this story once before, but we did the Rick Riordan
2: presents episode a while back, and it made me think. My older son, who now is getting ready for YA lit, but he's just on the edge, but he is a sensitive reader about some topics, and he picked up one of those books. I can't I can't remember the title right now and was devouring. I mean, he was just plowing through it. And then all of a sudden, he threw it across the room and I said, What happened? And the dog had died in the book. And he would not look at he was loving it till that point. And he would not look at that book, he would not pick it up again. I said, Do you want to try to skip it? Or do you want me to read it and see if it gets better? And he said, No, I will not read that book again. So yeah, Sarah, I appreciate what you said about reading it first, because I think, I maybe would have anticipated that and would have warned him a little bit, but yeah, (laughs) I had not pre-read that book. So anyway, it was a tough moment. had to work through which I mean
1: I think I do think that of course for all of us that is going to happen we can't always read ahead for kids and I think that's totally Mm -hmm. understandable but I do love when we get the hand you know the book that we loved in the hands of a kid who also loves it I mean that is such a magical feeling and and it is I understand that about their getting to an age where they can feel somewhat betrayed by the author and by Mm -hmm. what happens. And I think that's part of growing up. I mean, in part, it's that you're having to learn that things happen that you don't want to have happen. And I think that's part of that maturation process is realizing Mm -hmm. that, but it is painful for sure. Yeah. So we wanted to, we had a hard time. We had big, long lists that we each compiled of middle grade reads. We've read and enjoyed recently, but we wanted to each just narrow it down to one that we would recommend. And then, like I said, we'll have a bookish fave that gives some of our other favorites as well. And so that'll be coming out on Monday. Our bookish faves always come out on Mondays, and those are really fun for us. We curate lists of things related to a topic, and you can always find those at underbridgepod.com, And they are of our blog posts. Those are really popular because it's a nice way to, if you're looking for a particular topic, or in this case, a list of books within an age range, that's a good way to find those. So Jen, what is your pick for today?
2: So I am sharing Jewel Parker Rhodes's Ghost Boys, and I think... I was thinking, again, about my sensitive son. I think there are topics that I very much want him to know about. And I think one thing that I really appreciate about middle grade books is just these authors excel at exploring really challenging topics with this age group. I will say this will be a tough read for anyone. It is about a boy named Jerome. He's 12 years old. He is black and he is killed very early on in the book by a white police officer. And then Jerome joins other ghost boys who are other black boys who have been killed unjustly, usually as a result of racism or some sort of violence. In the group of ghost boys in that community that he joins, Emmett Till is there. And Emmett Till acts as a sort of guide for Jerome and helps him work through some of his feelings of anger and betrayal and just acceptance. It's it's really powerful. I think this is, it's a tough book, but I do think it's important for kids this age to know about things like the story of Emmett Till. And I think this does a good job introducing that part of the history. One powerful part of this book is that Jerome meets Sarah and she is the daughter of the police officer who killed him. And so, She is also very angry and feels very betrayed. And so you see these two kids trying to work through that kind of anger and what forgiveness means and when forgiveness is appropriate. Sarah, through the eyes of Sarah, you see her father struggling with what has happened. And so I think there's a lot of empathy for so many characters in the book. And yet it is very much acknowledging something that I think we need to continue to put at the forefront of our reading and to continue considering ways that we can act against. So it's a tough topic for a middle grade book, but I think this is the right age for it. So, again, that's Jewel Parker Rhodes' Ghost Boys I just want to shout out while I'm on this topic, all three of us have mentioned Harbor Me by Jacqueline Woodson on the podcast before. And that is another one that I think deals with some of these topics. It deals with a lot of other issues as well, but there's a part that very explicitly talks about a boy being shot because he has a toy gun and that's what happens with Jerome and I think that was one of the better conversations I've had with my son as a result of a book was when we were reading Harbor Me together. And there's a nonfiction book, Tiffany Jules. This book is anti-racist. I'm always a little fuzzy on the definition of a middle grade book, but I think this one is definitely accessible by the age group. It may even be accessible for students who are a little younger, for kids who are a little younger, but it's 20 lessons on how to wake up, take action and do the work. And so I think there's something really empowering about reading a book that acknowledges that there's a problem and then moving on to a nonfiction book that is talking about taking action. I think that sometimes when I read about these type of plights, I'm left feeling very helpless. And so I think it might be nice to have that there ready for kids who have read Ghost Boys, who have, know there's a problem, to start thinking about ways to combat that problem. So those are three wrecks that definitely seem related to me.
1: That's really interesting about thinking about the next step. And I like that a lot About I haven't read Tiffany Jewell's work yet. But I like that idea of a lot of times when a book evokes a lot of emotion in a kid, it's so helpful to help direct them in a positive way with that emotion. And so I think that's a great idea as a second step.
2: It's almost written as a workbook. So I do think it really asks for the reader to engage with it, which I think is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like Jen said, we all absolutely loved Harbor Me. I think for a long time I hadn't had a lot of success with middle grade reads. I just didn't read a lot of them. And I think with Harbor Me, that was one of the first, I read that one, I guess a couple of years ago now for the first time. And I realized how I connected with that and how powerful middle grade can be. I mean, I think it's just such a rich story. And so it goes back to the idea of I think adults definitely can read middle grade. Sometimes I have a little bit of a trouble connecting to it in a way that I never have with YA or very rarely have with YA. Because, of course, it's geared toward younger people. And that's totally fine. But sometimes that means I don't read as much of it. And then I miss out on these great books that I would absolutely love. So Harbor Me was one that really opened that doorway for me and helped me find some other middle grade books that I really enjoyed. What about you, Sarah? What what would you like to recommend? So I'm going to recommend Dusty
0: Bowling's Insignificant Events in the Life of a Cactus. I read this on audio this year. I I checked it out from the library. And this book is about Avon Green. She is a child who was born with no arms. And she was adopted by this couple. And they live in... Oh, gosh, I can't remember. I think Oklahoma. They live in a state, and she has grown up in in an area that that everybody knows her, and she's very comfortable in, and she loves her life. And all of a sudden, her parents decide to purchase an old amusement park that is in Arizona, and she's so they're they kind of uproot and move out to Arizona to try their hand at running this amusement park and it's the story is basically about her trying to navigate being in a place where she doesn't know anyone and no one knows her she doesn't have arms and so that is uncomfortable for some of the kids that are at, her new school, because she does everything with her toes. It's just a, this book about her navigating and finding her place there. And she also makes best friends with a boy who has Tourette syndrome. And it's just a really beautiful book about friendship and making your, your own way. And I, I mean, I just love this book. And I thought it was just, there were a lot of things represented in the book that I haven't seen very much in middle grade literature I thought it was really funny. I laughed out loud because Avon is just so, you know, she, I don't know. She's just really funny and she's got all this spirit and she, and you just love her from the very beginning and you love her family and all the people she encounters. It's just a great story. So I am recommending this because I think it is important for all different kinds of people to be represented in children's literature. And I think it's important for kids to read about people who have experiences that are not like their own, which is also why on my list, I'm not going to talk about them in depth, but also, on my list was Kelly Yang's Front Desk, which we actually did for an episode we can link in the show notes. So, we talked extensively about that book, and I absolutely adored that one. And then the last one I had on my list was When I Was the Greatest by Jason Reynolds. And everybody knows our undying love for Reynolds' work for young people. And this book, this is my favorite of the ones of his that I've read. And I think that all three of these books. Help kids get a different perspective, learn a little bit more about people who may not be like them or have had different experiences. And I just really, I just really like all three of these for different reasons, but I feel like they have a unifying message.
1: I am so interested in the insignificant events in the life of a cactus, Sarah. I remember when you talked about that one for a bookish check-in, and it just sounds fantastic. So oh, I am hoping to get to that one soon. But I ju- do love the other two you mentioned.
0: <laughs> when I just started, so the insignificant events in the life of a cactus is book one. That's when they're in middle school, and I just recently started the second book in this series. And it is they have just entered ninth grade, and it is monumentous events in the life of a cactus. That's the second one. So
1: awesome.
2: That's always great, too, when you can find a good series, because I think if you can get a kid to fall in love with book one, then they know what they're reading next. And we've talked before about how much power there is in just knowing what you're reading next and in not having I I face this with my own TVR pile, having to make that constant decision. So I think that's awesome. I didn't realize there was a book too. Well, and Front Desk has a sequel too. Yes, I saw that, but I haven't read that one yet either. I haven't either.
1: What about you, Ashley? So the one I wanted to share today, I had a hard time. I mean, we all had some less. of some favorites from middle grade, but one that I wanted to share is Alex Gino's George. I read this one and don't remember sharing it on here, and I absolutely loved it. So this was a nice chance to share that story because I just think it's such a powerful book, and I absolutely loved it. This is the story of George. She is transgender, and at the beginning of the book, she is aware of that, but feels that. No one will ever know that it is a secret, that she knows that everyone sees a boy when they look at her and that that's just the way the world is, is kind of her feeling in the beginning. And so she does things like she loves to look at girls' magazines and stuff like that. And then she's hiding those from her family because she knows that they would not, she worries that they would not be accepting of her looking at these girls' magazines and being interested in those things. And yet over time, her the focal point of this story is about her class putting on a play version of Charlotte's Web. And she wants to be Charlotte. And so a lot of the story is about her wanting to be Charlotte and her wanting there to not be such a strong conflict between her inner life and her outer life and wanting those things to connect. and she also has this great best friend, Kelly. And even Kelly doesn't know a lot about her at the beginning. You know, she doesn't know this inner self that, that George is having this big conflict with her inner self. She, she Kelly's not aware of that. But over time... Kelly becomes aware of some of the conflict that, that George is experiencing. And ultimately, I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to ruin the story. But they do some things so that there's an opportunity for George to show who she really is. And they do that in connection to the Charlotte's Web play. And I just think it's a really, again, I don't want to do spoilers because I want you to experience the, the joy of the story and discovering what happens. But I found what I really loved is that positive affirmation of the fact that who she really is can be who people see and that there's not a right way to be and that it's okay to tell about the inner self to other people and to trust that those other people can accept what is true in in your inner self. And so I just thought all of that was really masterfully done and is done in a way that I think helps I think it, it it is both a great story for kids who are struggling with gender to read and to see that other kids might feel that way too, that they are different on the inside than the way that people see them. But I think it also is great for kids who do not have that inner conflict and who can then come to understand what that might feel like for a child who does feel that way. And so I think all of that is just really beautifully done. And I absolutely love the way that the connection between Charlotte's Web and George's inner self, how all of that is woven together is really lovely. And I love that it plays on a classic that, I feel like I'm making a lot of unintentional puns here, but I think (laughs) that it plays on a classic that everyone knows and a story that we all love and then shows how that connects to, to George, to you know, her as a character. And so I think all that is just really well done. And it's a very powerful story, but it is not super long. It's not super difficult. And I think it's a great text that can address something that, again, I think we're not always talking about to kids at this age range, but that they, it is written in a way that is very accessible to them and appropriate for their age group. And, you know, tells an important story. So, again that's Alex Gino's George and we I know that both Jen and Sarah mentioned a couple of other recommendations. And so I just wanted to highlight a couple of others that I absolutely love in middle grade. One is George Takei's They Called Us Enemy. And I think that this is a graphic memoir. I think what it has in common is that idea of feeling like an outsider, and that you don't belong, and then finding a way to work through that. And so this is about the internment camps for Japanese Americans and what that was like for his family, and how horrendous that experience was, but also the ways to move forward and to become a part of a society that has done things to hurt you. And then finally, Tana lies inside out and back again. That's one I've mentioned before. That is a novel in verse, but it is largely based on her own life experience as a refugee from Vietnam. And that is just a beautiful, beautiful story. Very accessible to kids, but shows what the refugee experience is like, how hard it is to leave a home, the choices that people have to make and why they make them. And then what it's like to make that journey and to go to a new place. So I think the things that unite all three are that idea of trying to find yourself amid a world that sometimes doesn't accept you and finding a way to be comfortable in that space. And so I think you see all of that in the three of those. And I think that's such an important message for kids at the middle grade level to see books where characters are working through those things so that they have that recognition that other people do feel that way and that there's a way forward and through it. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. I love, I still have not read George, but I love they called us enemy and inside out and back again. So I, and lay, I think, I don't know if it's a companion novel in verse or a sequel, but there's one called listen slowly that I've seen on lists as well. So again, I think if you find someone who really likes that style, That can be another great way to hook a kid is to find a format that they enjoy, whether it's a novel in verse or a graphic memoir. Or, yeah, that can be another way to say, Hey, here's your next read, which can be, again, really helpful.
0: And then inside out and back again is really quick.
2: Yeah, that's nice to have that feeling of moving through a book, a powerful story quickly. Kids often need that confidence boost.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: We hope you've enjoyed those recommendations. We would love to hear the middle grade recommendations that you have. So please share those with us on social media at Unabridged Pod. We are so interested in sharing those. Like Jen said, there are lots of parents and teachers out there who are looking for those great picks to reach our middle grade readers. And so we are excited to celebrate those and would love to get your thoughts. And we wanted to end today with our Give Me One. Today, our Give Me One is a thing that made you happy this week. And before we share our thing, I wanted to mention also on our feed on Instagram now, you can go to our feed on Mondays and you can share what what your pick is for our Give Me One topic. So be sure to join us for those on Mondays and let us know what your pick is. Uh, Sarah, what is a thing that's made you happy this week? So I'm so excited. It
0: actually is happening this evening, but I, over Chris, over the holidays, my husband got, got me a p- present that was um, an everyday, it was called Everyday Kitchen Masterclass that I took and just learned some things about cooking. I love to cook, but I just got, I learned some things about like knives and things that I needed to use instead of nonstick pans and things like that. And so the lady, Brie McCoy, who I also have talked about her book on here called Come and Eat, she is doing one-off cooking classes where you you make a cocktail and cook a meal and it's all on Zoom and you do it together with a a group of people. So that is happening tonight and we're using it as a little date night. I'm going to feed the kids ahead of time. And then I'm going to make the cocktail and uh, the dinner, and we're going to eat it together. So I'm super excited about it. I love that kind of thing. I have all the ingredients, so I'm ready to do it. So I'm very excited.
2: That sounds so much fun for you. (laughs) That would not be fun for me, but it's very fun for you.
1: (laughs) That sounds great, Sarah. Listeners, I just need to admit again... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm having a little bit of audio <laughs> trouble here, but we're, we're we're doing our best to finish finish strong. And so I'm getting a lot of hand gestures to help me through that. And I will make sure that my audio connections are good for next week. Anyway, uh, Jen, what's something that made you happy this week?
2: So I know I feel like it's kind of cheating to have a book and <laughs> give me one, but I could not resist raving about T.J. Klune's The House in the Cerulean Sea. It has been a long time since a book has made me quite so giddy happy as this book made me. I just was beaming through the whole thing, and it has been a tough week news-wise, and I felt like this was just a bright spot that it was an escape, but I think it's also dealing with some of the same issues that we are dealing with in the news. And so it's just lovely to see a book that is embracing people and beings because they are different and cherishing those differences instead of instead of doing the opposite instead of I don't know the word I want to use but yeah I I just I absolutely loved it if you have not read the house in the cerulean sea it is fantasy but I think it doesn't matter if you like fantasy it is just a brilliant brilliant novel so that is what made me happy this week
0: that that's on my TBR stack because I know both you and Ashley have raved about it and I really want to get to it soon.
2: Oh my goodness. You are going to, I am a hundred percent confident that you are going to love it so, so much. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. I absolutely love that book and I'm so excited to that you enjoyed it too. Ashley, what made you happy this week? So something that I really love that is happening right now is the cherry blossoms are in bloom. I absolutely love that experience. It's something that – so I grew up in Georgia, and I don't know – honestly, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I don't know if we didn't have cherry blossom trees in Georgia, which I think is possible. It's quite warm down there, or if I just wasn't aware. But in Japan, it is – for one thing – when I lived in Japan, something that I really came to appreciate so much is the recognition of a lot of seasonal things and the celebrations that went around them. And that just is something that I feel like prior to that experience, I had never thought a lot about, but the you know there would be so many festivals and celebrations acknowledging seasonal things that happen and the cherry blossoms are a huge one. So there's all these really great festivals. There are areas where there are cherry blossom trees everywhere. And so it is just absolutely gorgeous. It's like confetti falling from the sky and it's such a celebration of nature in the start of spring. And so ever since then, you know, everywhere that I have lived since that time, I've been much more aware of the cherry blossom trees and I just love them so much. It makes me really happy. And it also, I've, I've had a pretty challenging week and I am remembering now that I found a lot of comfort last spring when quarantine was first starting and the pandemic was happening. I just found so much comfort in the routine of nature and in the acknowledgement of that the sun still rises and the days get longer and the seasons change and that we can celebrate those things. And I just find a lot of comfort in that and it makes me really happy. So that has been, they have just the last couple of days, we have a couple right across the street from us and just the last couple of days they have started to pop open and it's been really fun to see. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed our recommendations for middle grade books. And we can't wait to hear the ones that you've enjoyed. And as I said in the beginning, something you can do that's really easy to support the podcast is rate, review, and subscribe. And of course, share with other people if you're enjoying listening. Those are of huge help for us. So thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us.
2: We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone who composed our theme music Strings of Light and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.